Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the Watt. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. It starts with Ron. I think Ron's a terrific coach. does a great job. Always has his teams prepared. You know, I think the theme of their team is really they do what they do and they do it very well. Uh, we cannot sleep on honey. There's not one part of this game playing against a team like Washington that they're not going to have talent, okay, and a lot of players, and they're not going to be sound in their scheme. You know, we have to go out and play our, our abilities, uh, play to what we're capable of, and, and really play smarter than we did last week. It's a real one. That's what, yeah, it's a real, it's a real one. Um, for sure, playing for the division. Um, and, you know, we want to win a division, so we know this is a real big one that, that, that we, we, we need to sell up. So, uh, you know, that's where my head is at. I mean, every game is important. You know, this is the, this is the vision game. Um, you know, we don't like them, they don't like us. Thursday edition PFT Live, getting you ready for the first Thursday night game of the season. Last Thursday was a Thursday night game, but it wasn't a real Thursday night game because there was no Sunday or Monday before it. This is our first venture into the routine of short week football. Giants losing to the Broncos on Sunday. Washington football team losing to the Chargers at home on Sunday. Giants also lost at home. This one happens in Washington's home. This is... Key to the division, Chris, as they're saying, division rivalry obviously goes a long way toward who, who wins the division. You don't want to lose at home to a division rival like the Patriots did this past weekend to the Dolphins. Washington, if they are going to be the team that we think they can be, can't lose at home to the Giants in week two. Can't fall to 0-2 four days apart with two of those losses at home. No, I mean, definitely. You don't want to lose two games to start the season, you know, regardless of the situation, right? I mean, we talk about that a lot. Yeah, there's an extra game this year, but, man, 0-2, you start to feel the pressure, you know, like, man, we got to start winning football games, and sometimes that can go in a good direction. A lot of times it can go in a bad direction. And I think it's two teams that – you know, yeah, Washington's Washington's more talented than the New York Giants. 
Uh, but two teams that I think are, you know, for lack of a better word, like, you know, are going to be pissed off tonight for sure. They did not play their best football last week. Sorry, Scotland. All right. Remember, remember that. Remember, I'm trying to rewire your brain. Anytime (laughs) that thought starts to make its way from here to here, for lack of a better phrase, it's usually a warning that that phrase probably is not a good phrase either. Yeah, I know. That's just not going to stop me in this scenario. I don't really care. <laughs> Especially because it's like not that bad of a way to say it or whatever. I, but, know. Yes, I know. I know. But yeah, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, two teams that pride themselves in physicality, right? And playing the game the right way. I mean, they really stressed, you know, just, again, taking care of the ball. I know Ron Rivera and Joe Judge are like that. No penalties, no stupid mistakes, you know, being the tougher team on the field. And last week, I don't know if they necessarily either team lived up to their mantra. Man, both teams made mistakes. I don't think, you know, either both teams have pretty good defenses. Washington, you know, I can't imagine they're happy with their performance the Giants, the same way there. And then, of course, we got the offensive questions on both sides of the ball. I mean, yeah, Washington's probably, you know, a little bit more of a complete offense, but we got Tyler Heineke, and we don't know how real, how good he is. Yeah, he's a good athlete. He's a scrapper. He can make all the throws. I'm just not sure. And then you go flip it over the Giants, and, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on the Daniel Jones situation. The offensive line is iffy. We don't know about Saquon Barkley, so – uh, I think you're going to see, you know, a, I think we're going to see a fun game tonight because of the importance and how you laid it out, and and more importantly, just because they know they both did not play their best football last Sunday. We've talked in the past, and you've got the experience of being in that pressure cooker as losses mount early in a season, and the point at which it maybe implodes, explodes, whatever plodes, whichever plode is yeah. the right plode, right. it does it. With this seventeenth game. I don't know when the pressure is going to be as significant as maybe it's been in the past because it becomes easier for the team to say, we're okay. We got another game. Don't freak out. Maybe they should freak out. Don't freak out. We got another game. And then that next game comes and they lose it and then they freak out. So it's just, it's going to be a different vibe this year. 0-2 doesn't mean what 0-2 used to mean because there are now 15 games left, not 14. And Chris, I'm looking at Washington's schedule and I've fallen victim to this in the past where I just get a vibe about a team. Right. Washington, they went out and collected a bunch of talented players, had a strong draft, got Ryan Fitzpatrick to play quarterback. Not that that's going to do them any good for the next six to eight weeks. And you think, hey, they won the division last year. They're better this year. I don't see any dramatic improvement from anyone else in that division. They yeah. should win it again. Yeah. And, and I, I neglected yeah. to look at the schedule. Uh-huh. They lose this one tonight. Right. At Buffalo. Yeah. Next week. Right. Th- then they get a trip to Atlanta where they should be able to win. Then they got the Saints and the Chiefs and the Packers. They right. go to Denver, which isn't going to be easy. And then they drop into their box. They're looking at. If they lose tonight, a very real possibility of 2-6, and six, assuming they can win on the road in Atlanta and on the road in Denver, because the rest of these games, Bills, Saints, Chiefs, Packers. Now, Packers, we feel differently than we did last week, but we may feel very differently come Tuesday. Yeah. Those are tough games. 
This team, if they lose tonight and fall to 0-2, could get off to a very bad start. Yeah, uh, 100%. I mean, I'm with you there. And, you know, added to the fact, you know, division, yes, we know that. The Giants had their number last year and won two close games against Washington. So they obviously have a good feel for how they play. And I do think they match up well. Because, you know, the Washington football team, as it looks right now, is not going to be a team that's going to put up 40 points and blow you out. They look like they're going to win games 20 to 17 or lose a game like last week. What was it, 16 13 to the Chargers? Was that the final score? Somewhere right in that range. It was 20 to 16. 20 to 16. You're right. They scored a late touchdown, or the Chargers scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Yeah, so I think that's the wheelhouse. And. That plays into the Giants' favor because the Giants, I, I don't think, are a team that can score 30 points, really. So, yeah, you know, that's where Daniel, uh, I mean, not, not Daniel Jones, Joe Judge, Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, their ability to manage the game really comes in handy. And, you know, going back to Washington, like you said, you know, it was, it was underwhelming last week. You know, I know they played a good football team with the Chargers, but they, like Chase Young and and Jonathan Allen and Montez Sweat and, and Payne in the middle, which I have so much respect for that front four, they were not real good last week. There's no other way to say it. That, I mean, Washington's team, resources, money, however you want to look at it, right, and you break it down, the, the one area of their team that goes pow, like that's, that's the, that, they got to make plays, it is that defensive front. And I know Montez Sweat got the strip sack fumble last week that went into the end zone and the North Korea roll, uh, rule, and we could talk about that some other time. But as a whole, for the day, I mean, the Washington defense couldn't get off the field against Justin Herbert. Third down conversion after third down conversion. And that's got to bother them, especially because it's just so many alphas who think so highly of themselves on that defensive line to where they're going to be pissed off tonight. And that's probably the one matchup I look at more than anything to go, where does that go? Because we got questions of the Giants O-line. They weren't horrible last week, but they weren't great. And they certainly have to manage the game around their weaker spot of their team in, in the O-line. And, and that's what I'm going to be interested to see tonight, if that D-line for Washington can take over the game or play better than they did last week. Yeah, and something that occurred to me when you started rattling off the names of the great defensive players that right. we expected to supercharge the pass rush. We saw Chase Young at the top of the show. I don't know whether he's vaccinated or not. Anytime I see a guy at a press conference with a mask on, I, I wonder, no. right. is he not vaccinated? Now, who are the teams? We, we work closely enough together that I think you and I are in agreement on the teams that we would point to. There's a handful of teams that had what I would call COVID distraction yeah. training camp and preseason. Right. Who are the teams that you would put in that bucket? From the standpoint, not of an outbreak, from the standpoint of consternation among players and coaching staff slash organization about the whole vaccine issue. Who are the teams that you would put in that bucket? Well, let's see. Right off the bat, I get to Buffalo, the Colts, Washington, you know, that was the three. When you started to say it, I went right, I, you're right missing, there. You're missing, he loves him, he loves him oh, not. Oh, and of course, Kirk Cousins. Yes, of course. Right, right. right. Okay. They, they lead, they're, they're in the leader house, as we would say. Right. And, <laughs> and guess what? Guess what those four teams in the leader house did week one? Yeah. Lost, right. lost, lost, lost. And I raise that not because it means they're going to keep losing, but when you're talking about 28 teams that – don't have that issue Four teams that do. Yeah. And when teams that have had this inherent drama, dysfunction, tension, 
they start playing teams that don't have that issue, how's it not a factor at some level? How's it not a factor? How's it not a factor if some of those players in the Washington locker room are still pissed off that they've been called out multiple times and made to feel small and made to feel irresponsible, made to feel stupid by their head coach? Because that's what's playing out in society. The people who aren't vaccinated and don't want to be vaccinated get mad when people say you should get vaccinated. And they feel like the people who say you should get vaccinated are being strident and condescending and arrogant and belittling. I hear you. And you've got that playing out in these little microcosms all across the country that are football teams. So that's a factor that we've forgotten about because, hey, the stadiums are open and football is back and everyone's here. And let's not talk about vaccinations. We're sick of talking about it. But you know what? To the extent it's dragging some teams down, to the extent it's keeping them from being as good as they can be. Now, you're never going to see the breadcrumb trail from the 50-yard line to the locker room to the team facility that proves it. But Washington lost, Buffalo lost, Indy lost, Minnesota lost. And all four, well, three of them were favored, and the Colts were playing at home against the Seahawks team that got dragged halfway across the country. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm not going to like disagree a lot there. I mean, you're right. It's a distraction. I, I do think that a locker room is better than what society is right now. They're not like at least going to the locker room going, man, Ron Rivera, what an idiot. I mean, because that's what's going on in society. Like, we have people that are like, Fauci's an idiot. Okay, great. I mean, they're, they're not doing that. But to your point, I do think, yeah, there's probably a lot of conversations about it going on in the locker room and guys huddling up, hell, here's the defensive line, and they're talking about that maybe instead of, you know, talking about football and what they got to do. So uh, I'm not going to disagree with you there about the distraction of that. Certainly not. You know, I, I'm not going to put a whole lot of weight into that's why they lost the football game. You know, all you can never prove it. No, you I know you can't. I know you can't prove it. You're right. I can't. I, so they're, they're, so I, I don't know. That's why I'm not going to put a lot of stock into it. But I do think, yes, distraction, you know, through training camp and that. Yes. To a degree. Does that lead you to be maybe not your total 100 percent week one? I agree with you, Mike. Probably not. I'm not going to I'm not going to fight back against you there. Um, but you he, may have some of those guys that start looking at Ron Rivera differently. Maybe you, you may have. And Ron Rivera did the right thing. I'm not criticizing Ron. Yeah, Rivera. of course you're not. And it's still stunning to right. me that guys who have been wired from the first moment they put on a football helmet to defer and accept and follow every order they get from their coach pushed back in situations like this. That just tells me how strong the feelings are. That, that's the point. I, I, I'm, I'm in the, for the 28 teams where it's a non-issue, it's a non-issue. But for the four teams where we know it's an issue, good luck ironing that out. I think the coaching staffs are still beside themselves that they can't get these guys to do what they're supposed to do. I'm and on sure. top of the, all of that, it's a looming threat to keep players being unavailable. Yeah, Mike, I, I mean, I'm with you. I hear you. I, I do. You know, yeah, teams are not going to give us much there. They're not going to say anything. You know, that's just not in the DNA of football teams, first off. They're just going to keep, you know, we're going forward, we're going forward, we're going forward. Yes, you know, if you get maybe Ron Rivera in a private conversation with somebody he knows, he's probably going to tell the truth and say, yeah, it's annoying. It's annoying. You know, every day we got a handful of guys who might be a little late to meetings because they're still getting tested or, you know, other crap like that. So, yeah, I, I hear you there. You know, but but you're right. I can't really quantify that. I don't know how much of a factor that's really playing in. Uh, but I, I do think well, it's no, a factor. Look, just it's just just it's a it's something that is always there. You got enough crap to worry about 
when you're trying to coach a football team, it's always something that's there. Let's assume, and, and again, I don't know if Chase Young is or isn't vaccinated. Montez Sweat, we know, is not because he's made it clear he wasn't getting vaccinated. What if they're at practice, and Ron Rivera, who played defense during his NFL career, he was a linebacker, not a defensive end, but he knows how he, he, play, he played on a team with some pretty good defensive ends. What if he's got some coaching point he wants to make to Montez Sweat, and he's got to think, how close do I want to get to this guy? That's just a, that's a bag you don't need to be carrying around when you're trying to coach a football team. Yeah. So it's little things like that. Little bricks, tiny little bricks that can just build and build and build and build and build. And again, we're only talking about four teams that have this issue. 28 teams don't. When you're talking about how intense you've lived it, it's intense. It's all consuming. Everyone's pressed together. You got enough crap to worry about than this one extra thing. And this is all just kind of we haven't reflected on it at all through week one because there wasn't other than other than last Thursday night's game when Zach Martin wasn't available to play because he tested positive despite being vaccinated it hasn't been a major issue so far this year and maybe it will never be a major issue but you know what Chris when the season ends and people start doing deeper dive reporting on what went wrong where we'll hear somebody's going to report whether it's people on the record or off the record that the tone was set by this unexpected fight this unnecessary fight, this illogical fight that we had in August and into September, and it kept us from being as focused as we needed to be right out of the gates. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, I, you know, that's probably how it will uh, play out. You know, you, you'll start to hear those type of rumors and, and things that after, after the year's over. Yeah, whoever it is reports, yeah, that we really felt like that was a big issue that held us back at the early part of the year. You're not going to hear it now. Nobody's going to make those excuses, and nobody really wants to think about it right now because, damn, like the Washington football team, they don't want to start out 0-2, and I'm sure they look at it and go, man, we thought we were going to be a better football team than last year. Yeah, we went into the playoffs, but we should be better. We got Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, we got a little upgrade at quarterback as compared to the play they had last year, and they were pop- oh, now he's hurt. So they got their hands full in a lot of different areas. I mean, both teams do. They really do. I mean, these are teams that are kind of a work in progress. And now you got Taylor Heineke playing, who did some good things last week. Yeah, sure. But it wasn't like, oh, wow. Yeah, they're definitely in good hands. Watch out. Washington's going to be, you know, a a, a juggernaut in the NFC. No, I'm not sold on that yet. You know, I I know there's things to like about his game. But, man, yeah, I mean, it's got to be better. You look at the way they played against the Chargers last week in the offensive side of the ball. You know, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of sustained drives. There was mistakes. They couldn't stay on the field on third down. You know, so we'll see how he plays tonight. You know, I like watching him play because he kind of plays like, you know, his pants are on fire, and it's kind of fun to watch that way. But he is going to miss some throws, too, where I go, damn, you know, an NFL starting quarterback wouldn't miss that throw. And we'll see. Maybe he can fix those things tonight and, and pick apart this Giants defense at a little higher level than he did last week against the Chargers. We both agreed after his performance in the playoff loss to the Buccaneers that his playing style is not sustainable. It's too reckless. It's too, this is my last game I'm ever going to play, so I don't care if I get injured. Right. That is not sustainable if he's got to make it through the next six to eight weeks as the quarterback through that stretch that we showed you is going to be very challenging. Yesterday, both Heineke and Chase Young spoke to reporters about the fact that Heineke is now the starter. Let's have a listen to both of them. What's that mindset that you have as you as an individual to know, like, this is my time? 
You know, something I've been dreaming out my whole, dreaming about my whole life, uh, being a starting quarterback in the NFL, and um, you know, here, here we are. So, um, I, I'd really try and take it one day at a time, uh, one meeting at a time, one play at a time. Um, I feel like if I just live in the moment, um, everything else will take care of itself. I don't try to get too ahead of myself. Um, so again, you know, when we're at practice, I just listen to the play, remember what we talked about in meetings, what we, what we're trying to get accomplished, and really take it one play at a time and. You know, we'll worry about the other stuff later. Heineke, Big Tay coming in. Um, we know what he can do. Um, I think he can start on um, any other team in the, in the league. Um, so, you know, at that position right now, I don't think anybody's really too worried. I think we Taylor can come in and, do it and, and, and sling it. I, I'm not quite sure that the intended meaning comes through the mask, but he can start on any other team in the league. Negative ghost rider. It's probably an example of hyperbole, and maybe it was unintended. He could maybe start for, I don't know, one other team. In the, I'd have to sit down with the full chart and identify where he would supplant the current starter. But there is not a line of general managers and owners waiting to throw bags of cash at Taylor Heineke. Fortunately for him, he got a decent bag of cash to be yeah. the backup. Good, yeah. But... And, and hey, hey, good. They got confidence in the guy. They need confidence in the guy. That's great. But uh, he gets his chance tonight. Short week. Turn it around. Play the Giants. Win the game. We'll be singing a different tune. But one tune we will never sing is he could start for any other team in this league. Well, no, not yet. I mean, he's going to have to put multiple games, you know, consistent, really good play before I think you and I go down that, that you know, rabbit hole, uh, certainly. But I do look at him tonight. I mean... Hey, I, I really, as you look at the game, I mean, of course he's going to be a big key to the football game. I, I do think that. And I know the quarterback always is, but, but I mean this from different ways. First off, I mean, him playing last week, and I know it's a good Chargers defense, but there was two drives of points. One was 45 yards for a field goal, and then there was really one sustained drive for a touchdown. This is it right here that kind of set it up. A third and four, like we talked about, I think, yesterday, the day before. Probably should have been intercepted. But this was a great play by him, giving Logan Thomas, the big tight end, a chance to go up and get the ball. But, like, with this particular matchup against the Giants, you know, and last week, hey, Washington, I don't think, thinks he's, like, a world beater because they kind of managed him in the game. They managed him. I mean, he was 11 for 15, right? I mean, it, it, it wasn't like they were like, oh, man, Heineke's in. Let's just throw the kitchen sink out. No, I, I think there was a little bit of a, like, hey, let's ease him into the situation. We can run the ball with Antonio Gibson. And where I think it'll be different tonight, yeah, you don't have Joey Bosa coming off the edge of the New York Giants. But as you've heard me say before, the Giants have a huge defensive line. They're not going to be happy that they let you know, a huge run up to Melvin Gordon last week against the New York Giants. I don't expect the Giants to let Washington run the ball real effectively tonight. And then it comes down to now Taylor Heineke and Washington are going to have to throw the football to win the football game. You know, there's no, uh, the, you know, there's no Curtis Samuel. He's on IR right now. So it's Terry McLaurin, De'Ami Brown, who's a rookie, and Logan Thomas. It's those three guys. And can they make it work? And the other thing I look at, too, you know, this Giants defensive scheme is more similar, or at least a little similar, to Brandon Staley last week with the Chargers in the fact that it's game plan specific. You're not really sure what you're going to get until you get out there. You know, Patrick Graham from New England, he's going to have a few things where he's going to go, oh, I, I remember what they do last year in this formation, that formation. 
they like to go to this guy and this and this down and distance, and he's going to throw a few curveballs at you that you just go, well, they didn't do that on film last week. No, they didn't. They're going to bring something out new, and that's where it's going to fall on them and be a different game. Now, where it could be, and I don't mean to go too long, where I do look at it, you know, his legs, can they contain him in the pocket? That'll be another big factor of this game too. But, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot on him tonight. He's going to have to make the plays to win the football game. And I don't like saying this, like it comes down to the quarterbacks. But I think that's like this is a night where it is going to come down to a quarterback. It might just be come down to which one screws up first. That's the team that's going to lose the game. I mean, it really might be as simple as that. Another pro tip, anytime that you feel compelled to say I don't want to go too long, you've already gone. I know I have, but I had one more point I wanted to make, and I damn, I know. I hate trust, when I go too long. Trust, I'm sorry. sorry. Trust the fact that you have an opportunity to make the point later because you always will. Okay. You always will. Yeah. You always come back around to it. Anyway, right. running backs are an issue tonight. Antonio Gibson removed from the injury report yesterday. Good news for Washington. He was there with a shoulder, and I believe he was limited in practice, at least early in the week. Yes, limited Monday, although it wasn't a real practice. It was that, well, if we had practiced, he would have been limited. Right. Fully participated Tuesday, Wednesday. Off the report, he's good to go. Saquon Barkley for the Giants, though, mm. that's not the same case. He's right. questionable again. He's got that knee. He played some on Sunday against the Denver Broncos. They're working him in. He's now 52 weeks removed from tearing the ACL. We all got spoiled by Adrian Peterson. Yeah, exactly Tears his ACL right. Christmas Eve. He's ready to go week one right. and wins the MVP and nearly mm -hmm. sets the single-season rushing record, and it ruined it for everybody else because we're like, oh, they'll be fine, they'll be fine. And I thought maybe the Giants were being deliberately coy about Saquon Barkley. No, there's still an issue there. Yeah. He's still not back to where he needs to be. He's officially questionable and may not play, although they didn't downgrade him to out which means he's made the trip because presumably by now they're in D.C. for tonight's game. But that's always with questionable. If it's the road team, there's a chance that we get the answer ahead of time. They just leave him home. He's there. My guess is he'll play, and my guess is we won't see much more of him tonight than we saw on Sunday, especially with that short week, quick turnaround yeah, as the sure. guy's trying to get his, his legs back under him, yeah. literally. Daniel Jones is 4-0 and against Washington. You mentioned, I think you made him one of the goats in a bad way this week. I did, yeah. Uh, what, what, what's he have to do to, to get to 5-0 and and to kind of get guys like you off his back and others? Hey, look, and we, hey. I'm a defender we said of this in all, a lot of ways. We, yeah. we, but we said this all off season. Yeah, They have made this a no-excuses year for Daniel Jones. When you go out and... And you give Kenny Galladay a contract that no one else was going to come close to giving him. You use a first-round pick on Kadarius Toney. You add Kyle Rudolph to the mix. Evan Engram's out tonight. But they've got weapons. And if Saquon's healthy, uh, you, you, now the offensive line still has to do its job. But they expect to see Daniel Jones take a step up this year. Yeah. Or they will use that extra first-round pick they have next year from the Bears to either package to move up. Or maybe they'll already be in striking distance if they have a bad year, or they'll send those picks to a team that has a veteran quarterback that would like to play for the Giants. But I feel like, I feel like this is it. Hey, hey, is it is it right? Is it wrong that you only get three years to prove yourself? Doesn't matter. Is what it is. Sam Darnold got three years with the Jets, and I think Daniel Jones is going to get three years with the Giants. And so far, uh, if it's pass fail each week, last week was fail. Yeah. Oh, listen. You know. You, yeah. I've been a defender of him. I have. I mean, I I, I tried last week. Yeah. It was a, a bad timing. You know, down seventeen seven, moving the ball, fumble, and that's why I made him the goat because it's it's the it's the phrase that's attached to his name right now is Daniel Jones fumble. That's that's his biggest issue. Third and five, got a guy. Oh, that's not the play. 
Okay, but that's a great throw there, regardless. And wait, I just want to say this too, Mike. He he does have excuses. I, I don't care. Right now, he's got excuses. Their offensive line's not good. I mean, it's not good, period. They have to call a game, Jason Garrett and company, to placate to the offensive line in a lot of ways because I think they know there's certain things they can't do because they're not going to be able to hold up. So I think there is that issue there. He has an excuse. They have no, no running game. And added to that with like what we talked about with Saquon Barkley, Barkley's not himself either way, if he plays tonight or not. I mean, I watched that game uh, yesterday, yesterday afternoon back, and he's there's a hesitation on that right knee. There's a... He is definitely putting more pressure on the other knee and favoring it in other in some instances when you see him cut and do and do different type of movements. And I do think the hesitation to, through training camp was real uh, with his knee in that situation as well. So, you know, we'll see where this goes. But right now, yeah, they're asking Daniel Jones to carry the team to a degree. Kenny Galladay didn't play at all, really, all through training camp. He had injury issues. You know, you got offensive line issues. You can't run the ball there. And now we're just going, oh, Daniel Jones, carry the squad and do that. And, I, yeah, I don't know if he's capable of being like that guy yet. He needs a little support to kind of get him going, to grow maybe into that guy one day. So, yeah, we're all watching him. The biggest thing for him is just the limit of the mistakes, the crucial mistake. You know, the Giants made mistakes across the board uh, in that game last week, but his is the one everyone's going to talk about because, like we said, his mantra right now is fumble. He made a lot of great throws, but, yeah, the pressure's going to be on tonight. The spotlight, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, I'm sure they're going to talk about him a lot and, and really kind of go through the issues and the positives and negatives about his game. His fumble uh, in uh, that key spot you referred to, it wasn't that that fumble that – we've no. focused on in the past right. where he holds it in the pocket too right. long. This was more of the Lamar Jackson style where you take off running and you don't protect the ball the way you should. Either yep. way, you got to protect the ball. And if if nothing else has been hammered into Daniel Jones' head over the past couple of years, it's protect the ball at all costs. Whether it's the clock that should be speeding up as you're surveying the field for receivers while in the pocket or when you decide to take off and run. Yeah. Number one, don't trip over the five-yard line. Number two... <laughs> secure the football um yeah they have no he can't they, they're just not good enough to overcome some of that stuff that that's the real thing they kind of have to play a certain way to win football games and yeah it's why does their offensive line stink uh because they haven't done a good job of building it i don't know what i would say i mean they had the pick of the litter at left tackle it it and, and they picked the wrong one i mean so far that's the way it looks i'm not trying to be a jerk there but that's an issue you know, yeah, yeah, there's there's issues across the board. I mean, I, I think all of them, you can look at them and go, yeah, it's just not that great. It's it's some good and some average, but who's really the great player on that unit, you know, that they can get behind and go, oh, we're going to run behind that guy. You know, they're still trying to find kind of their identity up there. So, uh, yeah, there's issues there. And, you know, the, it just in that game last week, the one thing that jumped out to me, and I actually can say this about both games, Washington or the Giants, but specifically the Giants, every big moment got to have it play. They lost it. They lost it. Whether it was Teddy Bridgewater making a play or the defense for the Broncos had to get a stop or get a sack, whatever, they made the play. And that was really the big difference in the game when I kind of watched it back that jumped out to me. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, 
pressure is is on Daniel Jones. There's no doubt about it. And every game comes down to those handful of moments where it's time. Third and short, it's time. Either get it if you're on the offense or stop it if you're on the defense. Right. And if those plays constantly go one way, that team's going to be up 27-7 with a garbage time touchdown, making it seem a little more respectable like the Daniel Jones run did. Uh, should be a, an intriguing game tonight, and it is impactful in the NFC East because both of these teams now – as opposed to a week ago, are in a better position to understand that the Cowboys are going to be pretty good. Well, they took a hit yesterday. Let's stay in the NFC East to Marcus yeah. Lawrence. Broken foot in practice, out six to eight weeks. How big of a loss is that to the Cowboys' defense until he's back? Killer. I mean, he looked great last week. You know, we talked about him a lot, like, leading up to the game, right, where we just, like, we, we got to see DeMarcus Lawrence and the $100 million man and start getting back to, like, you know, a game wrecker, and he he did. He had moments of wrecking the game. Uh, he is the marquee player on their defensive line, a defensive line that's got a lot of good, and they hustle, but he's the guy that you expect to get a strip sack fumble, make a big play in a big moment, and now to be without him, and also they're in a scheme that doesn't necessarily want to blitz a whole lot. They want to get there with the front four, the Seattle scheme, and rush off the edge to where they That stinks for them. It really does. Here's the strip fumble against Ronald Jones when Tampa had definitely momentum, and you're going, man, they surely look like the better team. But, yeah, it's a huge blow to their team where we know, like, that's all we talked about. Their defense is a work in progress. Can they change, you know, who they were from last year? Yeah, I uh, and and on top of all that, I I believe Randy Gregory's on the COVID he reserve is. list. He is. You're right. Well, he, is. he went on as right. Zach Martin came off. So another blow to that defense uh, for the Cowboys as they make a trip to L.A. this weekend to face the Chargers. That is not going to be no. It's easy. not. Look at that start to the season for the Cowboys. And despite all that, they performed very well last week. Dak Prescott's name is not on there, and that's the good news. Dak that's is still right. good to go. Ezekiel Elliott was defensive yesterday about his statistical performance week one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's listen to what Zeke had to say about those who may say that he didn't have a very good game. I mean, if you know football, if you uh, are in this building, uh, then you, you, you can tell that uh, someone can have a, a solid game without, you know, having the best statistics. Um I mean, if you don't understand that, then you probably should study a little more. <laughs> I mean, you know, every play I'm giving a job, so it's my job to do my job to the best of its ability. Uh, you know, I take a lot of pride in just being well-rounded, uh, being able to, you know, do 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 all things. And uh, I think, you know, blitz pickup is is big for a running back. Um, you got to keep that quarterback uh, safe. You got to keep him uh, untouched. And so, I mean, I think, you know, that's one of the most important parts. Are we there? Yeah. Are we here? Can they hear us? All right, here we go. Uh, Ezekiel did a great job last week of blitz pickup, keeping Devin White from getting to Dak Prescott on multiple occasions. It was amazing. Yeah, the numbers weren't there because the game plan wasn't there. Whether they went into that game 
intending not to run the ball with that Zach Martin, or it evolved that way. It became a 58-pass night, and you and I both said that that's not sustainable. At some point, they're going to have to rely on Ezekiel Elliott. At some point, they're going to play a team where they say, yeah, well, we have Zach Martin back, first of all, and second of all, we think we can run the ball. We don't have to run into Vita Vea and and Dominican Sue and worry about the rest of those defensive players. We can gain more than one or two yards per carry. Let's run the ball. So it'll come. And I agree with Zeke. The stats don't tell the story of what the guy did. All you can do is what you're asked to do. Right. If you're not giving the ball as much as you're used to, how are you going to have a bunch of yards? You're not going to, this isn't high school where you're going to have 80 yards every time you touch the football. And so you do the job that you're given. And he did that job well when it comes to blitz pickup. He's a hell of a football player. All-around football player. Never have ever doubted his courage, his toughness, anything he does. Since the day he came out of Ohio State, I just I remember seeing him like lead the quarterback or lead other running backs as a fullback, and he'd block the hell out of people and do things where you just go, man, the guy's he's selfless. He doesn't care. He really is an all-around great football player from that perspective. But the days of him running for 100 yards every week, no, they're over. They're over. I'm sorry. And I, I hate saying that. Like, I, I mean, even in that little interview right there, as we sit here and watch all these great put, blitz pickups, I mean, he, he looks uncomfortable. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for all NFL running backs because they are the kings of kings when it comes to strength, power, you know, being like unbelievable power for their size. I mean, they're, they're always have been the freakiest athletes on the field their whole life. And then they get to year four or five in the NFL and they're like, not the same guy anymore because they've gotten hit by 90,000 Mack trucks already and it's going downhill. And Dallas is no longer like, you know, I don't think we're going to see 58 passes a game, but I don't, I don't think like it's going to be around 40 every week. I, I can guarantee that. I don't think we're going to ever see a game where it's going to be like Zeke ran 27 times today or Zeke ran 25. They're going down with those receivers and Dak Prescott. And I think last week just confirmed that after they saw how good Prescott looked and played, they're probably like, yeah, 40, 45 times a game. Here we go. And I don't think they want to throw at 60, but I don't think we're going to ever see that Cowboys dominant offensive line run attack that we saw when they were the number one seed in the NFC playoffs, you know, four or five years ago. I think those days are done. So yeah, he's going to have to help out the team in other ways. And hopefully uh, he'll continue to do that, and they can find some some creative ways to get him the ball in space and, and things like that. Things like 11 that. carries for and, and, and all those sorts of things. 11 <laughs> carries for 33 yards with a long of 13 against the Bucks. He had two receptions for three yards. He got down near the goal line. Remember there was that one throw that kind of carried him out of bounds when yeah. he was close to the goal line. Whoever it was that bet 75 grand on on uh, Zeke scoring a touchdown, probably got very excited then. And then they, they tried to run it in with him and didn't make it, and that person lost their seventy five grand. Although if you can wager seventy five grand on that prop, you've got plenty more, I hope, yeah, where I that would, came I from if so. you are indeed gambling responsibly. And that point about running backs, I mean, th- think about how it works at youth football. The badass is the one who becomes the running back. Right. The guy who is faster, more agile, more elusive, the one kid on the playground that no one can touch, the right. most physically gifted player at the youth level becomes the running back. And he continues to be the running back, and he's dominant everywhere he goes. He gets to college, and he's dominant there. He gets drafted for Zeke, top five pick, and he was dominant early in his career. The problem is all those hits, all that abuse, all that stress, all that wear and tear, it takes the, the tread off the tires, and you do get to a point 
where it's over. And I still remember, and I mentioned this earlier this week on PFTPM, Ben Tate, Auburn running back, who was a second-round pick of the Texans and had his his flash, had his moment in the right, sun, right. and then it's gone. He said, if I had to do it all over again, I'd have been a safety. Yeah, right. But when you're young and you don't think – when you're young, the last thing you think when you're young is I'm I'm – at some point, not going to be able to do what I currently do. That's the last thing you think. You're living your life. You're in the moment. You want the ball. You want to be the star. And uh, you don't think, well, my career at the NFL level is going to be cut dramatically short, right. shorter than it would be if I play a different position my entire life. But that, 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 that long-term view isn't anywhere near the radar screen. When you're that age, no, it's very you welcome, rare. Very you rare. welcome. Right. That opportunity, right? Unless uh, you know, and, you know, unless you get a dad or a mom involved who understand, and and see, that's the thing. it's so presumptuous. Th- think about that. Yeah, no, I you've know. got this great you athlete who's go ten years old. Yeah, yeah, right. right. Yeah. Great athlete who's ten <laughs> years old shows up for his first day of practice, right? And the coach is like, "Oh, this guy, this guy's right. Here's our running back." And mom and dad are like, "Nope, no. See, here's here's how it works. When Junior gets to the NFL." We don't want him to get chewed up and spit out after five years. We want him to have a 10-year career, so we'd rather he not be a running back. It's just, Think of how ridiculous that would sound. Uh, but yeah. that's what you have to do. I know. You have to stop that train before it starts rolling. 100%. Quick note, too, here. like, There's actually a guy tonight who did that. And I, I, I got to kind of see it and witness it firsthand. Jabril Peppers on the New York Giants, the safety. He went to my brother's high school Don Bosco prep, and then transferred to Paramus Catholic in New Jersey, which uh, New Jersey has like five high schools that, like no joke, have like seven NFL players on their team every year. Like it's, it's they, they just recruit, and they got people from New York State and Northern Jersey and whatever. They're powerhouses. But Jarrell Peppers was probably one of the best running backs in the country. And somebody got in his ear and said, don't go to Michigan and be a running back. You'll have a longer career playing DB, safety, and, and doing that. And he did. But that's really about the only instance I've ever heard of or know of where that actually happened. And, you know, to your point, it's very hard to have that vision, uh, you know, down the road. Or, like you say, it's a little, uh, I don't know, what's the word you said? Presumptuous? Yes, I got it out. Yes, presumptuous. To, to think like, oh, yeah, he's going to the NFL, you know, when he's in eighth or ninth grade. It, it's hard to know that. Jabril Peppers was one of those guys where you saw him like as a freshman or sophomore, and you're like, he's going to the pros. You have to wonder, though, with Jabril Peppers, and I know we got to go, and it's funny because I was skeptical that we'd have enough to say about tonight's game. But uh, Jabril Peppers, it's not like he's – no, he's Rodney not killing Harrison. it. No, yeah, I get right. you. Right. And you have to wonder whether he thinks, you know what, you know, however many years he's able to play as a safety, would he have rather had those few, few years of burning right. bright as a running back, being it, the yeah. fantasy football star, being the guy? You know, I, I'm not saying no one's buying Jabril Pepper's jersey, but if you're going to buy a jersey, you're going to buy the running back or the quarterback first. Yeah. And no uh, uh, so, anyway, it's it's not – it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but that's how it is for running backs in today's NFL. Let's take a break. When we return, Chandler Jones, five sacks on Sunday, not worried about his contract, and plays better when he's not thinking about it. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Well, in the last year of your contract, mm-hmm. are you thinking much about that? Where does that stand? Kind of how are your feelings about not knowing what your situation is beyond this year? I'm just playing football, honestly. Um, 
I just let my agent take care of all that, the contract situation. But it is the last year of my contract, and, you know, I just let that take care of itself. Chandler Jones talking about his contract situation. He's one of the only guys, other than Stephon Gilmore, who's on the physically unable to perform list, Jones is the only guy who held in, didn't get a new deal, and is playing, is putting himself in harm's way. And when I saw those quotes yesterday, Chris, the first thing I thought about is the story you've told about Brandon Marshall when he was your teammate, Brandon Marshall, the receiver, with the Broncos, becoming a free agent after the season. Right. And and worried, justifiably, yeah. right. about getting through this last game right. so he can get the payday that he had earned for himself and for his family. It's hard to not think about it, mm. but it's important to not think about it. If you have no choice but to go play – Without the financial security you're looking for, if you start thinking about your contract, what happens? You start protecting yourself. Exactly. And the in football, I think the more you try to protect yourself from injury, the more that you potentially set yourself up to get injured. That's right. You're right. I mean, usually like the most physical team doesn't get hurt. The guy that seems to run around like a maniac and hit everybody, he's always healthy, ready to play. Yeah. You know, he who hesitates gets injured sometimes. Like that? Uh, so, yeah. I mean – it, it, it is not easy to block block out. It's really not, and especially when you haven't been paid. Now he's gotten a little money, so that probably takes a little edge off, you know, as far as the pressure of that situation. That Brandon Marshall situation, he was still in a rookie contract, and just to let people know, to so the story Mike's referring to, it's like week fourteen or fifteen. We're in Philadelphia. We're in the locker room. We're getting ready to go out for the game, and. You know, guys look in the mirror real quick just to make sure their uniform looks good. Okay, I look good. Let's go. And we were kind of the last two guys in there, and he went, ah! And, like, and I was like, what's the matter? You know, what's the matter, B? You know, that's what I called him, B, B Marsh. And he's just like, I can't do this, Chris. That's what he said. I can't do this. And there's like veins popping out of his neck. And I'm going, what do you mean? I can't play like this. You know, I, I'm so worried about getting hurt, and I'm so close to the end of the year. getting. You know, and I, I mean, I felt for him. I really did. Chandler Jones, yes, at least he's got a little bit of money. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, too, with him, he, he's a really good football player. He's got great experience. He grew up in an environment of, like, competition with both of his brothers who were, you know, beating him up at an early age. So, uh, it, you know, hopefully he can continue this play, and they will reward him at some point. But it's not easy. It's not easy to go out there and put your body on the line when you know, man, I'm worth a lot more than what I'm getting. And I think I'm going to get what I'm worth here at some point, and I don't want to get hurt and ruin that opportunity. You know, it's fitting. You called Brandon Marshall B. Marsh. I heard he called you C- minus because he saw your transcript from Texas. <laughs> um, it was Chandler. about C-. Minus. My <laughs> freshman year, I was great. It probably averaged out to a C- minus after that. <laughs> Chandler Jones uh, signed a five-year, $82.5 million contract with the Cardinals. In 2017, what was it? Say it again, Mike. Year. How much was it? Five years, 82 and a half million. Okay, so, so he does have financial security, right, right? But he's making 15.5 million this year. Joey Bose is making 27. T.J. Watt is now at 28. I'm sure the T.J. Watt contract didn't do much to placate Chandler Jones about his own situation. The problem is everyone's got cap issues this year. Now teams are still finding a way to pay players, but the Cardinals probably hoping to hold a little back for a certain yeah. player who wears number one right. and who is going to be in line for a massive deal after 
this season and who is the only NFL player right now who has the legitimate leverage to eventually say, nah, I'll just go play baseball instead. So they need to have the money in hand. It's not an easy situation for the Cardinals. It's not. Regardless. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Five sacks. He got five sacks without thinking about his contract. So, yes, I would advise Chandler Jones, don't think about your contract. But 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 still, it's it's an important situation because if he would get injured in the last year of his deal, a serious injury that would put his status for next year into question, that's going to impact dramatically what he would get on the open market. It it definitely will. There's 100 percent. And listen, we got to, you know, be fair to the other side here and and Steve Kime in Arizona. I understand their you know, trepidation with the situation. Let, let, you know, it's a guy that's getting up there in years. You mentioned it. I mean, they're paying DeAndre Hopkins still as the top receiver in football. They got Kyler Murray, you know, on the, on the radar. Of course, have the, uh, the J.J. Watt, uh, you know, contract as well. And the other thing, and the biggest thing with Chandler Jones and the age he is, I mean, he hasn't played a lot of football the last two years. So that's hard. You go, man, he's played six games in the last two years. That's hard to just go, okay, here you go. Here's $25 million a year. So I'm sure they want to see, like, and, and you know this, and everybody knows this in football. Once you kind of get the injury bug, it, it stays with you, and especially at this point of their career. So they probably want to play it out a little bit and go, wait, it, does he have the capability of staying healthy the whole year here, and is it smart to just re-up him? I think they want a little bit more information as far as that's concerned before they start you know, shelling out all that money. One comment he made is he's focused on football and he lets his agent take care of the business side of it. And that reminds me of something we discussed earlier this week. Lamar Jackson, so immersed in football as he represents himself, he's not able to negotiate his contract, doesn't have the time to negotiate his contract. And Chris, as I was watching the game Monday night, and we talked about this, we saw how he was getting banged around and twisted and pretzeled, all the more reason to get that agent. Got another big game coming up on Sunday night against the Chiefs. It's going to be physical again. He's operating on a short week. He surely is feeling the after effects of Monday night. You got to have an agent. And as I've said, he should have hired an agent Tuesday. And that first call that the agent made to the Ravens should have been, my guy's not playing Sunday night unless he has a new contract, period. We got, we got five days to work it out. We can work it out in five days. Let's do it. And, uh, uh, now, Chandler Jones' agent apparently hasn't made such an ultimatum to the Cardinals, but it's a different circumstance, but the similarity should be both guys should be represented by agents. So they can't focus on football like Jones is doing and not have to worry about the football side of it, the business side of it, excuse me, like Jackson is doing. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's from what I know, and I mean, you know, we know we both know a lot of people around football, and it, it just as the situation, you know, pertains to like Lamar Jackson – He's insulated himself in a little cocoon where it's hard to get access or get through to him with anything. You know, I, I've heard that from a lot of people. It's so, been that way for four years. And I know. Chris, it's one of the reasons right. why he fell to number 32 in the draft. 100%. Teams had a hard time getting in touch with him. And, and when you have an agent in the pre-draft process, that agent is there both with a sword and a shield. And the shield is to fend off all the crap that the agents representing the other quarterbacks are saying about you to the teams. Right. And the good agents are relentless. You don't want Lamar Jackson. Are you kidding me? You know, whatever whatever crap they can throw, because it's inherently he competitive. He should play receiver. They, yeah. They, yeah. They want their guy to be taken higher than the other quarterbacks. Yeah. And the easiest guy to target is the guy who doesn't have an agent who's in a position to fight off 
that criticism or to launch some of his own. Josh Rosen, are you kidding me? You want Josh Rosen instead of Lamar Jackson? Are you smoking crack? I mean, those are the kinds of conversations that happen. And the agents who have the relationships with the general managers and the scouts and the coaches and the owners who are very persuasive, they will have those discussions. That candidly, that frankly, are you nuts? You're looking at that guy? You're not taking a look at my guy. Let me send you some stuff on my guy. Let me let, let's sit down and talk to my guy. You don't have that. They had they they didn't know who to call when they wanted to talk to I Lamar know. Jackson. I know. There's a lot of instances before like the that. draft. Yeah, you're right. And I'm, I think yeah. that at some level now it may be they're just having a hard time getting his attention to focus on the contract. So it's look, it's 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 a shame. Because if this guy suffers a serious injury, he's not going to get $40 million a year until he can reestablish himself. Now, yeah. I know Dak Prescott still got his money. He was in a position where he had maximum leverage. Lamar Jackson he's is a pocket multiple years away too. from having right. – and, and he's multiple years away from having maximum leverage. Yeah. For, for the Cowboys, it was very simple. Apply the franchise tag again, which would have been ridiculously expensive. Um Sign him to a long-term deal or let him become a free agent let the market set his price. He was at the end of the road. Jackson's still got two or three more years before he's at the end of the road. So it would hurt him more to have a serious injury. And you're right. Prescott's more of a pocket guy, although he hurt himself running with the football. Jackson runs it and runs it and runs it. And it's just amazing to me he's made it as long as he has without a serious injury. He, it is amazing. I mean, he's got a little bit of like that Adrian Peterson in him. And, you know, just as far as like he just seems indestructible at times. I mean, it really, I'm amazed at how many, some of the hits he takes and just everything, positions he gets in, he always pops up. He's always fine. You very rarely hear him in the injury report. You very rarely hear anything is affecting the guy. I mean, it, it is. He's a little bit Superman like that, but man, there's no, you can only play with fire for so long. And uh, yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about this before. I, I would, I would love to see him get an agent as well. And how can you think about like, if I was to put myself in his shoes, which I can't because he's amazing and I wasn't, but I played a little football as a starting quarterback. If I had to play starting quarterback and then like get done with the day and start thinking about contract stuff and talking to co- like what? I mean, get out of here. That'd be the last thing I'd want to deal with. It'd be the last thing. Wait, I've watched film all day. I practiced. I stayed out after practice. I got in the weight room. I watched more film. You know, I get home. It's 8 o'clock, 7.30 at night now. And you're going to, what, get on the phone and talk to Eric DaCosta and, like, like work out contract details? Oh, my gosh. That, that's, that's, like, torture, uh, at least for me and I think for a lot of football players. So, man, I know. I wish he would watch the show and watch us or – and uh, just, damn, get a damn agent, please, to protect yourself. I, I'd like to think that the right person in the right setting with 10 or 15 minutes could get him to understand. Can Ray Lewis spot. reach out, right? Like one of those guys. Can, can someone get through to him that way? I, and it's for his own good. Yeah. It's for his own good. People are like, oh, you're just trying to protect the agents. I don't give a crap. The kid needs to get his contract he needs to be protected until he gets his contract and these circumstances are putting him in harm's way physically and financially and it's unfortunate because and i know for myself look life is easier when you focus on the things that you're good at not that it's debatable that i'm good at this but i do the things that i'm paid to do i do the things that i know at least i have a comfort level that i can do i don't want to do the things that i can't really do all that well that's where you find someone else to do them 
for you. You don't want to be carrying that mental baggage around that, oh, I've got this thing that needs to be done that I really don't know what I'm doing, but I guess I got to do it. If only there was someone else who could do it for me. Yeah. And the idea of saving one or two or three percentage points, uh, it's it's and because what ha- I think what happens is players don't look at the percentage point; they look at the total amount the of what that right. turns into. Right. Say you do a two hundred million dollar deal. I'm paying this guy six million dollars. Yeah, six million. You are. What did he do to earn six million dollars? We well, you know what he did. He got you two hundred million. Right. That's what he did to earn his six. Right. Because you're going to have a hard time getting the two hundred million on your own. On your own, you're going to get you know a hundred and fifty million, and that's a lot less than the one ninety four that you get after you pay your agent fee. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's. Yeah. Go ahead. What? Let's. Well, I'm trying to decide whether or not we we uh, do a little MVP talk or we take a break let's go ahead and take a break because we're even though this is a day where i thought ah we won't go over we won't have issues with time we got plenty of time to talk about the things we want to discuss we're already over let's take a break urban meyer discussing the rumor that has been ricocheting around the nfl and college about his future with the jaguars and possible future with usc we'll do that next here on pft live will he go to college Fortunately for you, some rumors came out yesterday connecting you to the USC job. I just want to give you the opportunity to review it. So. Yeah, there's no chance that uh, I'm, I'm here and committed to try to build an organization. I, I always love getting a look at the eye contact or lack thereof, the quality of the body language or lack thereof. He was looking down the whole time. Yeah, no, I hear that you. answer. I hear you. And, and, I mean, I mean, come on. We got to do better than. Unfortunately for you, rumors have surfaced linking you to USC. I'd like to give you a chance to refute them, dude. Are you working for the team? Maybe it was somebody who works for Jaguars. dot com. That's what happened. See, this is the insidious aspect of the NFL and the thirty-two teams creating their own media companies because the people who are paid to work for those in-house media companies will be deferential. They will ask questions that way. And then the organizations, the leagues, the teams, the coaches, the people involved, they expect the others to act the same way, even though they're not financially beholden. That was just a ridiculous question. It presumed that the rumors were untrue. How do we know if they're untrue or not? What kind of, what kind of a way is that to ask a question? And even when he was handed the softest of softballs, the words were what, look, you can't say anything other than there's no chance. Even if there is a chance, he's going to say that. Well, you know, I am pretty intrigued by that job. Hell no, he can't say that. <laughs> but I, I think his body language said plenty in that moment, Chris. Well, uh, yeah, I, I do, because there's probably been a few phone calls already. I mean, the, the rumors of ever since Urban Meyer was at Fox Sports doing the pregame show, wait for it, in L.A., wait for it, USC's there. That has always been kind of percolating, always. So I'm sure there's been some sort of conversation. I'm sure somebody at USC has reached out to Urban Meyer. Uh, I mean, I don't doubt that. I mean, come on, he's Urban Meyer. He's on the, you know, he's probably on the Mount Rushmore of college coaches. I mean, let's let's be serious. There's no doubt. He's pretty damn good. But at the same time, you know, I. I I, like I said the other day, I don't know why would USC want it. USC, you need to start like 
getting a guy there that's going to buy into USC and you can be there for eight, ten years like a Pete Carroll and, and really go. Urban Meyer has not shown you know the ability to want to do that anymore. I, that would scare me right off the bat. And I, I, you know, again, I hope it's not true. I mean, not that it's not true, but I, I hope he doesn't. I want to see him at the NFL level and see if he can make this work. I hope he doesn't abandon ship right now. First of all, Pete Carroll was widely criticized, at least the hiring of him by USC. Yes, Nobody knew Pete right. Carroll was going to become Pete Carroll. Right. Pete Carroll was a failed former NFL head coach when he got the USC job, and that hiring was met with raised eyebrows and nasty columns, not, oh, we have the savior that's going to turn the program around and make it into a national powerhouse. And Meyer doesn't need to be there eight to ten years if he would ever go there. He can turn it around fairly quickly, I would think, and then at a certain point he could make his exit. But I, I just... I. We have so much fun every December 20 because that's the anniversary of Nick Saban saying, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. The reality is there was nothing else he could have said. Now, he could have tried to find a way to evade the question that didn't entail him making such a clear and unambiguous remark that will be the gift that keeps on giving because he's been the Alabama coach ever since, like 14 days after he said that. But... There's no chance that Urban Meyer would have said anything other than there's no chance he's taking the USC job. You can't say what what else would he have said? What else would we have said? Oh, that's not something to discuss now. That's something to discuss after the season. Can you imagine what that what we'd be saying today if he had said that? So uh, he said what he had to say. It was a must lie situation. Now, either there is no chance and he was telling the truth or there is a chance and he had to say there's no chance. That's why I say look at how he delivered the line. There was no passion there. There was no, I'm trying to turn this team around. I've closed the door on college football, guys. Let's just be clear about this. I mean, let me, let me, try, let me try this out. You get the softball question. If you're truly committed to where you are, the response goes like this. I understand that you have a job to do and you have to ask me that question, but let me just say this now for you and for anyone else out there who may be curious about it. I am the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is my job. I have made a commitment to turn this team around. I have ended my college football coaching career. That part of my life is over. I am all in with the National Football League. I am all in with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I understand that there will be talk of me going somewhere else. And I'm flattered by the fact that there may be interest in me elsewhere. But my commitment, my job, my mission is to turn the Jacksonville Jaguars into a perennial Super Bowl contender. And that is what I am going to be doing for as long as they'll have me. Yeah, that would have been slightly more convincing. Well, it definitely would. He definitely could have sold it a little more convincing. A hundred percent. I'm not disagreeing with you there. You know, he then was why not, didn't he? Well, I, I don't know he? either. I a don't, guy who can go into living room. You told what you told me what a great recruiter he was. Why didn't he sell well, it the way that he's tried to sell you on Notre Dame? I don't know, but you know, I don't know if he's necessarily like that either. You know, I, maybe he just didn't want to even get into it. He just wanted to change maybe, the maybe subject because maybe maybe because there well, is a chance. Well, listen, maybe you're if there telling is a me chance, there's a chance. If there is a chance, it'll make me like it'll make me annoyed with Urban Meyer. I don't know any other way to say it. I'd be annoyed because he's he was out of Ohio State for two years. Right, the last two years he was at. He had plenty of time to think about this. And if he wanted the USC job, all he had to do was call USC, and they would have ended the Clay Helton era. I mean, there was nothing like it wasn't like, oh my gosh, Clay Helton's the greatest college coach we've ever seen. 
I think they've been dabbling the last few years trying to replace Clay Helton there at USC. I mean, that's why the Urban Meyer rumors were there. It was like, yeah, it's good, but it's not USC good. So he could have had this job. So if he does this, it's the ultimate low blow, oh my gosh, like what the hell, this guy's all over the place type of move. You know, so, and, and man, he had to have thought about what he was getting into, talked about it with his wife, his family here, you know, with the Jaguars, understanding that, you know, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, it's, it's hard once you get in it and you realize, damn, it really is not easy. This NFL is no joke. Um, so that would, that would really bother me. I mean, if he did make that move or even entertain it at this point, he had plenty of times, plenty of time to entertain that plenty of time. And I hope that ship has sailed and he goes all in on the Jaguars. And I know in my heart of hearts, I really do think he will. I think he's going to go all in on this Jaguars thing and try well, to, yesterday, try to yesterday was his chance. Yesterday was his chance to make the kind of impassioned plea. And I just kind of cooked that up on the fly. I wasn't planning to do that. If you are knowing full well that the rumors are out there, knowing full well that someone is going to ask you about it, even if they do it in a way that is akin to the cowardly lion tiptoeing down to see the Wizard of Oz, even then, you got your chance. You can rehearse it, work it out in the mirror, have some talking points, whatever the case may be. But something other than you're asked that question and you're like, no, there's no, 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 no chance. No, 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 no chance. I, come on, man. You're a football coach. We expect football coaches to be inspiring. We expect them to be fiery when needed. And it's not like he had to be a jerk yesterday. But if I'm a Jaguars fan, I want to see this guy's commitment to the program. I want to feel that commitment. What do you feel yesterday other than confusion? I, I don't know about that. I also think you got to worry a little bit, Mike, about like going too passionate and crazy and bringing more attention to the situation that need, than, than, than there needs to be. If you anyways. slam the door on it, but if you slam the door on it, if you slam the door on it convincingly, then it's over and it's done. I don't think it was and that maybe bad. Maybe he doesn't want to slam. We've the door seen on worse. It. I, I think it was. I think well, it was somewhat convincing. I don't. I don't I, think I, he's not a bang on the table kind of guy. He's not. I, I, I don't remember him any being any press conference where he's like that. Regardless of how he delivered it, it's the words and it's the, the I, 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 time will well, tell. He, to me, I, it, to I play it more like this, more of like, yes, somebody's called them and there's been a conversation and he's looking down and putting his hands in his pocket because he just, he doesn't, he knows that's happened and he just, no, there's no chance. Like he just, he's trying to. Trying to just, yeah, button it all together. But I, I, I do believe him that there's no chance. I do. We'll see I, where I, it goes. I hold, I hold a guy who you would put on the Mount Rushmore of all-time college coaches to a slightly higher standard when it comes to putting out a fire. Okay. He didn't put out the fire yesterday. And as to whether or not he could have coached USC in the past, Chris, you and I always know there's a story behind the story. For all we know, they wanted him, but they didn't want to pay him what he wanted. So he said, the hell with it. I'll go coach the Jaguars. I, well, so, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I'll go coach the Jaguars until they so wake now, up and realize. So now they're going to pay him and then probably have to pay Shad Khan even more money to buy out the contract and all that. Yeah. I just, I don't see all that happening. I, I don't know what Urban Meyer's making, but we know he's making double digit millions, right? I mean, well, do we know that? No. I would think well, so. Here's the thing. I reported back in January when the conversations were happening that he was looking for $12 million a year. And there was some clunky, awkward report from NFL media that the number was inaccurate and irrelevant. Well, of course it's relevant. It's how much money he wants. I don't think he got anywhere close to the top of the market. 
And the real question is, did he get more than Matt Rule? Because Matt Rule was the last college coach to make the jump. And he, he has got like nearly to. $9 million yeah. a year. Well, I don't know. Here's the thing, Chris. No one's ever said what he's making. The way that this typically goes, except for Bill Belichick, the agent finds a way to let it be known what the guy's making because the agent wants other coaches to say, hey, that person did a hell of a job for Urban Meyer. I want him or her to represent me. So we never heard what Meyer was making. And I know that with NFL coaches, part of the reality is there's what you hear they're making yeah. and then there's what they're really making. Right. But but with Meyer, we've heard nothing. Not a peep as to what he's making. So I don't think there's any way he takes too. that job unless he's getting more than Matt Rule. He's, there's no way. He's not going to go, well, Matt Rule uh, and I'm me. Like, there's no way. The new standard of who the was, NFL. Who, who was Shad Khan competing with? For, I, I, I don't what know. Was his leverage? But, not, I, I there don't was no know. no one else chasing him. No okay. one else was chasing him. I don't him. think there's any way he settles for that, though. I just don't. I don't see how that's possible at this point. I mean, it just that's where it's all going. The coaches can act like they're not making a lot of money. Belichick's probably making more than $20 million a year. Pete Carroll's Correct. making high $17, 18000000 million a year. The top coaches are up in that range. And even the medium coaches are starting to go, wait, I'm Matt Rule's done this, I've done this, and I just would have a hard time believing it. Maybe you're right. I don't know. You're right. I don't know. But I would have a hard time believing that. What happens is there's an official number that's on file with the league, but then these teams will use related Other companies, companies exactly. to funnel money right. to the Exactly to the right. Coach. Yes. And 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 we could talk about this for a long time. Right. A lot of this is done to hold down the, the expectations yeah. of the and and, we, and if you if anyone ever had the time and the resources to do this, if we would look at player salary and coach's salary from the seventies and work it forward through the age of free agency and the salary cap until today, you would see that in comparison, the player salaries have mushroomed and. In contrast, the coaching salaries have not moved up at the same rate, and there are some who believe that there's an informal agreement as to Definitely. how much coaches will Definitely. make, even though it may be right. a violation of the antitrust laws uh, because these are 32 separate businesses. Let's take a break. A week two preview with a little round of what's more likely next here on PFT Live. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. 
but there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.